The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, November 27th, 2023. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Alongside me, as he is every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it is my co-host, Uncle T-Bone, Wade Bennett. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on this Monday afternoon. A beautiful day in the Auburn Opelika area but uh man it is a brutal brutal monday to be doing a show in sports talk radio in auburn alabama coming off of the iron bowl that happened over the weekend on saturday inside of jordan hare stadium and it's up there for one of the most depressing losses i've ever been a part of in my auburn years in my auburn fandom and my auburn professional career um it is up there with some of the worst losses I've seen and just heartbreakers that I've seen in a long, long time. Alabama defeating Auburn 27-24 to to win their fourth straight Iron Bowl there at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uncle T-Bone, we're going to get into all of it today. But other than that, how are you doing? How was your weekend, man? Had a great weekend. Had a lot of fun Saturday on uh, the last regular season edition of uh, Game Day on Wings at 94.3 FM. It's been a, a wonderful football season and a great experience. I want to thank you and I want to thank uh, Jack and the AU Network for letting me be part of it. And thank you for being in studio with us. That was just yeah. so much fun. We yeah, we had a blast. A, had a special guest in Jack's sister, a former national champion and equestrian at Auburn in the studio. Uh, so it was a ton of fun. The build up to the game was awesome. Uh, campus was uh, not quite as packed as I've seen it for Iron Bowls in the past. Uh, I used to live a little bit closer to downtown, have some neighbors over there where we still parked and went to the game. And, it, and that there's been Iron Bowls where there's been people parking in that neighborhood and they there weren't cars there. But once I got inside the stadium, mm. despite the lack of maybe a, a few extra thousand people not being on campus, it was electric and Auburn fans brought it Um, you could tell that it affected the game and uh, I think it's going to take that type of support and enthusiasm moving forward not just with Alabama games but trying to replicate it in every home game to continue to build on this uh, program which is in full rebuild mode despite what happened Saturday well we're going to break it all down here on the show today as we do every single Monday as we recap the final regular season game of the Auburn football season that is a crazy statement to say and to hear Um, the fact that outside of the bowl game which you know my opinions on bowl games season's over I mean the regular season is over in 2023 we have gone all the way all the way back to the very beginning right when you played uh, a 
low non-con game. He made the trip out to Cal, and, and, and that just seems like it was yesterday, and here we are. Regular season's over. You know, I got to thinking about it driving in, and that exact same uh, uh, situation you just said. I mean, I, I can't – it was yesterday I stayed up till about 2 in the morning finishing up the Cal game and yeah. writing some thoughts about it. I mean – I don't know, perhaps it's just be, being more part of the uh, coverage of college football this fall and in, uh, in the opportunities presented to me to be on air with you guys or, or, or maybe I'm just – maybe time's accelerating and it's some new phenomenon, but it just seemed like that this football season blew by. Yeah. And I can't believe that Friday it's December and I'm already listening to uh, Christmas music. Well, some people in this studio may already be listening to Christmas music and it is not me and it is not you. So, um, well, it it is wild that football season, I know it's not over, right? We still have conference championship weekend this weekend. We still have, of course, the college football playoff and all the bowl games that'll be taking place over the next few weeks and, and month and a half or so. But for Auburn in the regular season, it is over. And now we get the chance to, not particularly today, this will be as we go throughout the next few weeks, but we now get to look back on the 2023 season, the first full year of head coach Hugh Freeze and his tenure as the head coach at Auburn University. And I actually asked him about that today at his press conference. But again, that's all going to be in the coming weeks that we get to do that. We start having off-season conversations. We start talking about the transfer portal. We start talking about recruiting uh, because we know how big of a month December is going to be uh, for all college football, but especially for Auburn. And so that's what's coming in the next few weeks. But today, tomorrow, and for a while – We're going to be talking about the Iron Bowl. We want to get your thoughts on it on this Monday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Give us a call on the phone lines. I know it's been a couple of days, and I know emotions are uh, still raw from this performance and from the result on Saturday, but give us a call. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 on the phone lines. Your thoughts, reactions, opinions, takeaways from the Iron Bowl loss for Auburn against Alabama, 27-24. to um, T-Bone, let's start breaking this thing down because, man, here we are again and another top 10 situation, heck, top 25 situation where Auburn had a chance to win. You had your chances to win. And I think you have to just start at the beginning and work our way through. You already mentioned the atmosphere a little bit, which I think was as good as Jordan-Hare Stadium can be, as big Mm -hmm. of an environment that we've seen and heard in in that stadium in a long, long time. The fans did their parts, but the team came into this game ready to play, prepared, and fired up coming off of that New Mexico State loss, which was something we just didn't know if we were going to see, and they came into it with that. And I think that has to be celebrated. I think that at least needs to be highlighted. Maybe that's a better word. Highlighted the fact that the team came in ready to play and gave themselves multiple chances to win this football game. We talked about it last week that if Auburn did not come in prepared and ready to play and fired up, that what happened against New Mexico State would be far worse than what happened against this top 10 Alabama team. They were looking to come in and dominate Auburn. They were unable to do that. Anytime that Alabama cannot dominate an Auburn team, the game gets close Mm -hmm. and you have a chance to win it. Um, New Mexico State now is just almost completely forgotten. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the uh, 
you know, the season review as right. time goes forward. Uh, but you could see it as soon as that they came out of the tunnel that Auburn was ready to play. Yeah, they were. They were ready to play. They came out and you wouldn't you would have known that by the kickoff, but then the first two drives, you're thinking, Oh boy, right, here we go. Right. Auburn goes three and out and then Alabama goes down and scores a touchdown immediately. I mean immediately. And it's like, all right, Auburn's down seven nothing after both teams have the ball. Is this going to get ugly? And Auburn found a way to rally. Auburn found a way to get a touchdown of their own in that first quarter. And after the first 15 minutes, you're tied, right? And then you have the first half where you kind of go back and forth. Offense is kind of stalled there for a little bit, but yet both teams get a couple of touchdowns. Alabama gets a late field goal and you're only down by three. You could have been up at the half if you're Auburn in this Iron Bowl. You could have been up. You probably should have been. But regardless, you're within a score going into the halftime locker room. And all things considered, I think most Auburn fans would take what the first half was on Saturday. Man, all right, so Alabama comes out. Auburn comes out and takes the ball, goes three and out, and they start the game by trying to catch Alabama off guard throwing the ball. Including a penalty on that drive. Including a penalty on that drive. And it was ugly. Um, and you just had the feeling that if they continue to try, if they continue to try and go schematically like that, is what we talked about not doing Saturday. We wanted to come out and establish the run, right? Offensive coordinator Jacob Goins on game day on wings was like, let's establish the run. And my caveat at that was, let's start running the ball at Dallas Turner. Let's 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 start chip blocking him. Let's hit him every play. Let's get physical with him. Do not have your quarterback out running around into the flat trying to throw the ball or in a pocket and allowing Dallas Turner to come in and make a play and either knock the quarterback out get the team fired up stop a driver create a turnover and that's what Auburn did and when Auburn established the run game in that first half is when the game got very very interesting yes and that was with Jarquez Hunter who broke off the big 42 yard run on the second offensive drive and then Damari Austin came in and actually finished off the drive and got Auburn their first touchdown Alabama came back with a field goal teams traded a couple of punts there again and then you get into the second half right you get into this second half where or you have a couple touchdowns there as well Auburn had the big drive again with another big Damari Austin run right there so two big running plays in the first half set up touchdowns for you right. in the first half if you're Auburn yeah Auburn takes control of the game uh late in the second quarter 14 to 10 and the crowd at that moment was about as loud as I've heard Jordan Hare Stadium in a very long time and what did we talk about Saturday though when I played defensive coordinator on game day on wings you cannot give up the big pass play to Alabama when they get in trouble they go to a deep throw. They've done that for years, but they really do it with quarterback Jalen Milrow. Jermaine Burton gets wide open right before the half, and you kind of felt like at that moment Auburn might lose a little momentum going into the second half. That was a 68-yard touchdown pass, and no one ever touched him. Coming out of the half, right, you're down by three. You should have been in the lead, but you're still within three. You come out of the second half, and Alabama starts the second half with the football, right, because Auburn – 
They got the ball. You talked about this on Saturday. They got the ball to start the game, Mm -hmm. and they went three and out, including a penalty, and then Alabama came back and scored. The worst start possible to the football game. No question about it, but all things considered, it didn't hurt us that bad, although Alabama getting the ball in the second half, Tigers only down 17-14, had that extra possession, which they wasted in the first drive. Unfortunately, that's back-to-back weeks opening drives, whether you take the ball or not, going three and out, and that's got to stop. Yeah, it does. And then coming out of the half for the lock, coming out of the locker room for the second half, that was a big drive. That was a really, really big drive for the Auburn defense because it was 17 14. If you give up a touchdown there and you're down by 10, you're in big trouble. You're in trouble, and things could have gotten ugly. And Alabama went on a drive, right? They busted out the keys, they got in the car, and they went on a drive. 12 plays, 71 yards. But the Auburn defense, they did what they did best. They bent, but they did not break. And they gave up just a field goal to keep Auburn within six, within still a one-possession game. That's when things turned around, right? That's when Auburn got their big play. They got their big pass play. You ran a couple of plays, a couple of runs. And all of a sudden, you find Javarius Johnson for 37 yards on a score wide open, strolls into the end zone. And all of a sudden, Auburn's up 21-20. You, have a, you go to the fourth quarter with a 21-20 lead, and that is where you got to feel, hear, and see the best atmosphere in college football at Jordan-Hare. Not only did the fans get to see it, not only did the players get to see it, the recruits got to see it. And we talked about that last week, where if Auburn didn't get the win, you had to at least get to that point. Something Jack Hudden and I talked a lot about on Saturday at the game was, man, you got to get to the fourth quarter and be within 10 if you can be within 10 you can get the atmosphere that you're looking for and get everything you want for recruits and Auburn did that you had the lead going into the fourth quarter it was only by one but you had the lead and you could see what that atmosphere was and I promise you from everything I've been told recruits noticed it on Saturday with a lead going into the fourth quarter and how special Jordan-Hare Stadium is I mean I'm with you Jacob uh the opening drive by Alabama and not allowing them to score a touchdown in the red zone and only be down by six points really and truly to me set the tone for the very rest of the game until the muffed punt late in the fourth quarter Tigers take the lead 21 to 20 but with that opening drive in the second half Auburn sent a message that they were going to be there the rest of the day. Yep. And once that occurred, you could just feel the momentum in the stadium as so many Iron Bowls I've felt before shift back. The Iron Bowl is a game where momentum can shift back and forth several times like a prized fight in boxing, and you really don't – one punch is thrown, and then one round is taken over, and then here comes the comeback. But the Tigers took control of momentum there. The Big Mo had the the crowd rolling, and we get into the fourth quarter, and Auburn is all up in this football game. They do. We'll talk about the fourth quarter, continue to break this down when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I know you got thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. The Monday edition of On the Line continues after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Let's get to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line as we continue breaking down the Iron Bowl. We've gotten to about the fourth quarter so far. We'll take a sidestep because I'm sure Andy has some things he'd like to say. Andy, you're on the line, man. How are you? Hey, Wiggle. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, they just don't want me to win that six and a half bet. <laughs> <laughs> it was looking good there for a while, wasn't it? Listen, at halftime, me and a couple buddies were like, you know what? If we lose, we'll be happy. You know, they put up a fight. That's all we prayed for. That's all we asked for. And we somehow went from that to wanting someone's head on a platter. Yep. Um, I mean, what a great game. What a fun game. What a beautiful day. Auburn, again, my biggest thing is um, college football to me was family and friends getting together, hopefully more night games and morning games, and just having a good time. And it was great. Um but I remember with that, two, I think, kind of a blurry night, but around two and a half minutes left, I remember turning some people going, we got this one, right? Like, we can't. I was just doing the math in my head. Like, they're going to punt. We're going to, you know, run it and kneel it. Like, we got this one to, where they threw over his head. Um, but just when we, when I saw two people rush in, I remember screaming, like, what? You know, I didn't know what I said. I just remember kind of getting a sick stomach, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, they're not going to win, but. Why are they making me, you know, why are they making my stomach hurt with this play call? Right. Um, and when they caught that, you know, good for them. <laughs> my girls' black football team lost just like that a couple months ago. Um, oh. But uh, this was a little bit more um, painful. But, uh, again, I, I have a lot to say, but I'm sure you all do too. Just I didn't understand the play call. I think they overthink it. Um, that poor punter, punt, punt return guy, not R zero, but the backup zero, because they have the same number, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And he's fumbled before. Uh, I mean, I think he's, I think he's muffed. Yeah, I think he's muffed a couple. But I mean, Free said today he's been a pretty reliable punt return, and I think okay. he has. And we're, you know, we're going to get yeah. to that too. But I, I think, yeah. you know. Well, again, I, you know, you can't, you can't just point to that. But right. Uh, what, what should have cut up? But um, I have to say that was a perfect pass. It came down like a mortar round, which is hard to defend. But um, we gave him the time to throw the perfect pass. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe maybe we'll learn from that and get him next year. That's right. Um, where, where are you going? Yeah, appreciate the call, Andy. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to that. As, like, oh, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're making our way there, but go ahead, T. Well, a few quick thoughts on what Andy had to say, and, and you can just hear, hear the – the emotion and the and the gut punch pain in in his voice. Uh, I, I did uh, have a few friends that were on the same side of him, hoping to get to that seven game win mark. If you know what I mean, wink, wink, nod, nod. That would have really helped them out. Um, and boy, oh boy, about five minutes left in the game, they were like, I, "We may actually do this, and I'll win my uh, wager." against Alabama how sweet it it'll be and I was like hold up now cowboy you might want to just slow down a little bit but the thing about um what he said I thought was just pictured so perfectly in my head was it halftime we're just sitting there and we're having some snacks and we're and we're taking a deep breath before the game starts back and we're good man we've put up a fight man Auburn look at us we're not we're not going to roll over for Alabama and then at the end of the game you know you've made the mistake that um you convinced yourself you're going to win and for good reason but don't make the mistake just because Auburn fan, we 
probably should have won that game. We played with a top 10 Alabama team that were really that close to them as a program right now. We're not, and, and the only silver lining I have from losing that game is that um, had we won it, People would have immediately been just been like next year, been like, all right, well, we're top 10 team. We're good. Let's roll. That's a you fair know? point. And yeah. so, I mean, there's a long ways to go with this program, and a lot of circumstances occurred for Auburn to be in that football game, mainly because of it being in Jordan Hare, and Nick Saban has a problem uh, just coming in and dominating in Jordan Hare like he has with other teams in the past. So please don't make the mistake. There's This is still a long rebuild. Rome was not rebuilt in one day. That's right. Well, I have some more comments there as well, but let's get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. How are you? Hey guys, I'm doing good. Hey, uh, listen, uh, I just <laughs> excuse me a couple of uh, uh, comments. Yeah. Uh, w- one, uh, I-, I think Auburn did very well. Uh, you know, they they kept it close with, uh, you know, with a very good team, very mm-hmm. talented team. Uh, and and I, I, I'm War Eagle, uh, my, uh, all the props in the world out for that. Uh, the, the, one of the things, uh, the program, I, and I know why they're doing it, uh, people trying to make out that that was a great win for Alabama, you know, and they, I mean, they they just beat a team that, you know, got beat up by New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's but, a lot of people making that point, Ed. But, but yeah, but, but the one thing that, okay, it's the first year, all this, all the recruiting and everything, you give everybody a pass on anything. But from now on, I do not ever want to hear Hugh Freeze say he's surprised by a call. It, when the game is on the line, he, you know, he, 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 he said he was surprised that they didn't have but two guys rushing. I, I mean, that is in excuse, and, and he's used that two or three times, you know, against Philip Montgomery this year. And okay, this is the first year; it's all chaotic. Mm-hmm. But but that that goes uh, all that 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 goes out the door now. Okay, and he's got no excuse for for not when the game is on the line, and he doesn't know what they're going to be playing. There is no excuse for that. And it, but War Eagle, I, hey, I love Steve Freeze. I think everything, things are going great. But but, but the, it, it, he cannot he cannot not know what what the call is going to be in a critical moment in mm-hmm. the game. He has got to be he has got to be involved in that. Right, War Eagle. Yeah, yeah appreciate the call at three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I have a comment on that. I think Ed's right. I think Ed's right. There have been times this year where Hugh Freeze has admitted that, and I'm not saying in this particular instance, I'm just saying in general, there have been numerous times where he, there was a call made, whether it be offensively, defensively, or take Saturday with special teams, for example, where he didn't know what was happening. He didn't know what the call was, and he didn't know the situation because he wasn't looking over the shoulder of his coordinators and other coaches. And I think what that speaks to is... Hugh Freeze being the CEO type of coach rather than 
I'm going to look over your shoulder. I'm going to make sure you're doing everything the right way, my way, and I'm going to be so far and just so invested into you that I'm not going to let you do your job. I think that's what he's trying to not do rather than I think he's trying to be the CEO, let me sit up top and manage everything and trust the guys underneath me. But I think Ed is correct. There are certain situations where as the head coach of this football team, of any football team, you have to know what's going on. You have to know what's being called and you have to know what the game plan is through and through. And you also have to know what the decisions are and why they're being made. That's your job. That is your job. It's the same way if you're the general manager somewhere, if you're the CEO or whatever, right? You have to know what's happening underneath you and you have to be able to put the guys in place to make those decisions that you trust them. And I think Hugh Freeze did trust all of those plays, but I don't think Ed is wrong there. I really don't. That punt return, I saw several comments, uh, several questions from Auburn fans. Why did we even have a punt returner back there? What I would, you know, in hindsight's 2020, what I'd like to have seen is this. You tell your punt returner to fake that he's catching the ball. And when the punt goes off, about a second, once it's in the air, you approach, you start running up and calling fair catch way away from the ball and get the defenders over there just in case there's some type of crazy bounce or whatever. Yeah. And just don't even touch it. Right. We're going to talk. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And I want to touch more on this because there's obviously a lot to do in that fourth quarter in the last five minutes of the game that had a lot to do with the result. We're going to talk about those when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Uncle T-Boat. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Let's get to the phone lines once again. 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Boat. Hello, guys. Well, T-Bone, we talked about it Friday about way we're going to be able to beat Bama's with our rushing game. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I was proud of how they uh, established a more traditional run also at times, tailbacks uh, with with nice holes and making plays and great vision. Yeah, you're right. Uh, That's something we didn't do last weekend against New Mexico State. Our Our run play calling, our traditional run play calling, not involving the quarterback keeping and running the ball, was dynamic Saturday against Alabama. Right. Uh I'm going to continue what Andy was talking about and what Ed was talking about mm-hmm. uh, there at the end of their conversation. Uh, you know, it was an excellent game as far as Auburn was going. I mean, everything was going our way. I mean, we had the, up, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys, and we're in a position to win the game. And the last two plays of the game is is what I want to talk about. Okay. And third down and, and 26, and 
Milrow steps over the line of scrimmage and mm-hmm. throws the ball. Brought back to the line of scrimmage is fourth down and 31. Now, on that third down play, our coaches saw what two guys rushing and one guy standing there watching the play does. And that's exactly what happened on the fourth down play. We had two guys rushing and one guy standing there in front of the center watching to see if Milrose going to dart off to the left or the right. Mm-hmm. And had all the time in the world to throw the ball. I mean, you got the guy scrambling in the end zone going from one side to the other. Well, when that happens, the Alabama guy, he, he just broke, broke away and went to the other side of the end zone, and Milrow threw it that way. And, you know, lucky our, our, our guy was never saw the ball. His back was to the, to the quarterback. And uh, I just don't understand why we only had two guys rushing. I saw that Alabama was just keeping the guys in check on the line of scrimmage. They never made any penetration at all. Right. Well, I mean, it's two on, you know, two on five. <laughs> You're not going to get home, you know. I mean, no. Auburn couldn't get home with five on five. You're sure as heck not going to get home with two on you five. Know, you know, I'm all for prevent defense. But you've got to have your front four there regardless. You, even if you have your front four, you got seven on five. Mm-hmm. You, got them out, you got them outnumbered in the end zone, seven on five. But you've got to have that front line penetrating to get to the quarterback, making him hurry up and throw the ball. Right. Yeah, I mean, he had all day. I mean, he was dancing back there, and I mean, he had what seemed like a, an eternity back there to make a play, and, and eventually their best receiver got open and, and made a play, and, and he made a heck of a throw. you got to give him credit as well. You know, for what Ed said about what Hugh, Hugh Freeze said about the comments on those last two plays, uh, you know, that sounds like Gus Malzahn to me. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I, what I see going forward – I don't see Auburn having two coordinators in the coming years. I don't think those two coordinators are going to be there. Yeah, I, mean, we've made the, I agree with we you made, there. We made the change in, in the South Carolina game last year, and and you saw what happened to Mason. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let me tell you, uh, when that happened in that game, I mean, those those boys played their hearts out. I mean, they were in a position to win the game, just like last year in the Mississippi State game. Those guys were in a position to win that game. The coaches just took it away from them with, with a bonehead decision. And, and that yesterday was a bonehead decision on, on third down and on fourth down. But uh, I don't see those coordinators being there next year, guys. We'll talk about it more later. Yeah, appreciate the call, Spectre. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to Terry in just a second. Um, those are obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of easing our way into the muffed punt, the 4th right. and 31. You know, we've kind of recapped up to that point because these are the two big things. And really just that last six minutes really um are are the and even you can even go to the auburn field goal right you can go to the field goal decision too i think that's where everything kind of starts is right there and you know you have people that are questioning whether auburn should have taken the field goal to go up 24 20 or should have gone for it i think the field goal was the right decision i do i I think the field goal was the right call 
yeah, totally agree with that. You can't you can't not take points there. Um, the only problem I had before the field goal, and I believe it was second and five, and we ran a pass play, and I was just jumping up and down at that point, saying, "Continue to take clock, continue to take clock, continue to take clock." You got to come up with some red zone run there, and we had we had been running the ball well all day, and I did not like the pass play, although it was. Uh, for all intended purposes, a drop pass that would have been a touchdown. Would have been a touchdown. And there's another and one. And that ends the game there, I think. Yeah, it would have. Was it a great pass? No, but it was good enough. It was good enough. And here we are again talking on a Monday about Auburn receivers dropping the ball that hit their hands, and Fairweather was gone. Like, he was going to be – he was across midfield. Oh, he, was, he was gone. I mean, he, he would still be running. He's going by the window right now. I mean, he would be in the end zone. That would have been it. Would there have been some drama? Sure. But Auburn would have pulled it out and won that football game if he catches the ball. But he didn't. Peyton right? Thorne, five for 16, 91 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. One of those was well, a trash interception late. I mean, two of them were the end of the first half and the end of the game. I mean, I would say I saw at least four drop passes in that game, Jacob. I wish somebody had the true number. I mean, I've lost count this year. You know, I've lost he, count. He, he's still over 60% for the year. And, you know, I heard That's a, lot a miracle. Of, yeah. And, and I heard some some people complaining on Twitter, some local media that we're not going to name, saying, how can a guy only have five completions in an iron bowl? Almost again, here we go, taking unfair cheap shots at Peyton Thorne and, and just getting roasted ratio-wise. You know, I'm saying he has at least nine if not none of those passes were uncatchable yeah and most of them hit someone directly in the hands that were dropped plagued us all year folks drop passes it's plagued us all year it has all year long and and it just you hate to see it for a guy like Peyton Thorne who I think got better this year he got better as the year went on um and he wasn't perfect by any means and I don't think we're saying that at all but when you put it on the receiver's hands, you've got to have guys that could catch it. You've got to have somebody that could catch the ball. And I just don't know if Auburn does to be consistent. 334-321-1390. We're going to talk the pun and everything after that coming up. But, Terry, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, guys, drop passes have been problems for Auburn for years. Yeah, well, you're, you're this right This is not nothing recent. This, is, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. The thing that nobody's talking about, about that final play that, that, that Bear's mentioning is – you can't you can't let receivers run that free. Defensive backs cannot cover receivers for that length of time. I heard Ryan Clark on, on ESPN say that's just impossible to ask him to do that without a pass rush. Yeah, because the receiver knows where the play is going and the defensive back doesn't. Well, the problem is that by that point the play had already been broken up. Like that wasn't a play; that was just a scramble True. drill. Somebody get it's open. Backyard football. Yeah, exactly. Here's the problem, though: the Auburn defensive backs were way too far up to start off with. They ran down the field with them. Why? Why not line up? And just guard the end zone. And again, I'm gonna I have a full breakdown of this that I want to get to, but yeah, I mean that's just way too long to try and defend if you don't have the right guys back there, and I just don't think Auburn did. Well, Jacob, that was good that you say that though, because Auburn rushing five guys and wasn't getting there and Millrose was running for twenty yards. Exactly. And so what would you think there were there were two? What makes you think that would have made a difference? I, right. I think there's other things they could have done. So I don't have that much of a problem with the alignment, but defensive backs can't cover receivers for that length of time. Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna go ahead and get into it. That was the right defensive play call. It was the yeah. right defensive play call. It was the right coverage. The only thing I disagreed with was the spy. There's no reason for the spy to be there. He should not have been there. 
have him or somebody else drop back. And you know what? Here's what I've thought about, and I think I've convinced myself of this. As crazy as this sounds, fourth and 31, fourth and goal from the 31. And Terry, hey, we appreciate the call, Terry. Appreciate it. Here's the thing. Fourth and 31. On the goal, you, you they have one play to get 31 yards. You have not gotten home maybe once with Marcus Harris all day going five on five. If you're going to play true protection defense, why rush anybody at all? Put in 11 defenders and guard the goal line with your life. Why not? You're going to double their numbers in the back. Milrow can't run for 31 yards without 11 guys saying, hey, there he is. Go get him. He can't get to the goal line before somebody makes the tackle. And that was my problem with the spy. What's he going to do? Like, sure, if he takes off, he may have a chance, but there's eight other guys back there to make the play, so what's the point of the spy? If you're going to play true protection at that point, I wouldn't put a single defensive lineman in. I'd put DBs, linebackers, and even wide receivers in the game and drop all 11 and say, get to the end zone, get it past us. And I don't think they could have done it. Yeah, well, to Terry's point, um, he calls it a, a backyard football play. Um, you know, obviously, there's an article on AL.com about Alabama practicing them this play. They call it Grave Digger. I can promise you in their practice, they've never had uh, ever anticipated that much time being given to their quarterback to just scan the field. And once, same thing for Auburn defensively because right. they practice that too. Once once it became a backyard football situation, you just allowed Jalen Milrow to do what he does best, and that's just be an athlete and make the play. Two things you said. I didn't think about the uh, DBs running back with the Alabama wide receivers. I agree with you then. We should have just already been back. I did not mind the formation of the three-man front initially with a spy. The spy drops back just to make sure there's right out of the gate, not some kind of crazy run play, right? That he's just going to take off and they're going to try and make something. A hook happen. a ladder or whatever. But yeah. after, you count you count in your mind like to maybe two Mississippi if you're the spy, and then you rush in there and push him out, and all, and he's just going to lob it up. The guy was and no a, offense, but he was a waste. He stood yeah. there and watched the play develop. He watched it happen, and I said it earlier. Auburn wasn't getting home in five on five. How are you going to get home in two on five or three on five? They didn't. And and to be honest, the two defensive linemen didn't do anything because they were getting double teamed. Like they weren't sure. going to get home. Two two pass rushers, I don't care who they are, aren't getting home on five no. on one play. Exactly. And so that's where my crazy, somewhat crazy idea comes in as well. Why rush him at all? Here's the thing. You have to do one or the other to the full extent. If you're going to rush the quarterback in Jalen Milrow, rush Jalen Milrow. Bring the house and get him down before the play can even develop. If not, drop everybody and say, okay, beat us. Get across the goal line. Beat 11 of us. Because you can't throw it past the line of scrimmage, obviously. And once you take off... You're going to have to run and make up 31 yards before one of our 11 guys can get you on the ground? Like, if you're going to send the house, do it. But Auburn wasn't able to do it. So why not drop everybody and just play full-on protection defense and say, beat us? Yeah, I just – I mean, I don't even think that you have to even get that dramatic. I would have just tried – 
to run some type of normal defense a little bit more zone and create at least some type of extra pressure not necessarily a jailhouse <laughs> break blitz or anything where you get your your guy one-on-one but I mean just a normal football play he's not going to have that much time back there to scan the field you got to make him uh, and I also think that if you are going to bring any type of pressure in that situation you got to bring it from the left side and you must force him to only play half of the field where you've got more of your DBs flooded and roll, make him roll out across his body. Not yeah. roll with the ball to the right, roll to the left. And at that point, he's probably going to have a little bit more sloppy throw. And at the end of the day, what that play came down to, and you mentioned it already, is athletes making plays and better players making plays. I mean, that's just what it came down to was you had the talent of Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond that – just made a play they went and make a play and I know we kind of jumped ahead a little bit but callers brought it up and I'm glad they did and I wanted to get into that we still have to talk about how we got there and why that happened and what Auburn could have done the four plays before that to win the football game 334-321-1390 we'll continue to talk about this as we wrap up hour number one it'll carry into hour number two so don't you worry we'd love for you to be a part of the show today as well 334-321-1390 On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line Post Iron Bowl here on a Monday afternoon on ESPN 1067. And we continue uh, to break it all down here on the show and in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Just so many things to to get to here and we're kind of getting into the you know the fourth quarter we just talked about the fourth and 31 and there's so much more to talk about there but the things that led up to that is what really frustrates me because we already mentioned the Rivaldo Fairweather drop pass that would have been a touchdown that would have iced the game more than likely then Auburn gets the stop they get the stop that they're looking for right you get Alabama you get them in a three and out and they punt the football. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, with 4.48 to go in the Iron Bowl, Auburn's about to get the football with the lead. Alabama had a timeout, and you have a chance to run the ball, ice the game, and the field's going to be flooded with orange and blue. The fans were coming, and everybody could feel it. But I told Jack Hutton, who I had at the game with me, jumping Jack Hutton, good friend of the program, I said, this game's not over. I said, it's not over. I did not predict, and I'm not claiming that I did, I did not predict that Auburn was going to muff the punt. And here's how this play went down. You put back there number zero, who you've had all year long, right? You put number zero back there. He's your punt returner, Keontae Scott. Not so fast. Hmm. That was Coy Moore. That was Coy Moore, one of your receivers, who hasn't done much for you in receiving this year hasn't had the best hands this year, and is your backup punt returner. Not a lot of people knew that that was Coy Moore. The announcement was made. Rick Smith on PA, he made the announcement. It was Coy Moore. But not many people knew that, including Hugh Freeze. Didn't know it was Coy Moore and not Keontae Scott. Fine. Turns out, Keontae subbed himself out because he got, he got banged up, got an injury. He was in the medical tent. So Coy Moore goes back there, and he muffs the punt. It was clean. He got it. And he muffed it. And 
there's so many situations here where hindsight's 2020, right? Hindsight's 2020. Sure it's it easy is. to say that. But in that situation, A, why is Keontae not in the game? And I, if he's injured, that's one thing. And there's certain comments you can make on that. But I also think as a – oh, our TV's going off. We've got a emergency broadcast system, system announcement going on the TV. Well, are we able to turn that off? Okay, well, maybe there's a TV remote around here somewhere. But um, – well, I guess it's over now. Anyway, <laughs> we got ESPN on in the studio, and I guess they wanted to do their weekly test right at the 2 o'clock hour. That's fine. Anyway, with the punts, right, hindsight's twenty twenty. where you say, why do you even have a punt returner back there? Or get away from it, or don't, you know, whatever. Go after the punt, whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, Uncle T-Bone, catch the ball. Catch the punt. That's my thing. Catch the punt. Yeah. And it is what it is. I'm cool. If you don't even put somebody back there and you let it roll. Now, they're going to pin you inside the 15 or the 10-yard line, and then you have some sketchy situations that can happen there. Sure. But at the end of the day, that's your job. Catch the ball. Yeah, according to uh, the press conference today with Hugh Freeze, he says that uh, Keontae Scott had a ding shoulder on third down before, uh, before the muff punt, and he had subbed out. Also uh, quoting on Coy Moore that something happened with his footing – he, it did look like to me that he slipped. It's something where I think if we filled that punt, we win the game, and I agree with that too. The moment the punt was muffed, slipped, or whatever, yours truly did predict to his friend that was with him during game time that it was over. That was a sign from the proverbial football gods that not today, Auburn, because everything on earth had been going Auburn's way since the very first drive in the second half, including the three and out where it should have been over, I'm like you. You have to catch that punt. And my question is, does Brian Battee return punts? Has he ever returned punts? Because Coy, and I like Coy Moore. I'm sure he's a good dude. And I'm certain that no one probably feels worse than him right now about muffing that punt. But he hasn't played a whole lot this year. He really hasn't made a lot of plays this year. I wouldn't consider him a playmaker right now for Auburn. And if he hadn't played much in the Iron Bowl, he was cold. And you, that's like uh, you don't want to just go out there and tell somebody on the last uh, hole of a golf tournament that you're the one who hasn't played all day that has to make the 25-foot putt to win it. Right, yeah. And that's that goes back to, to Ed's phone call earlier, right, where – Hugh Freeze in his post-game press conference, he didn't know that it wasn't Keontae. He didn't know. That He's, is a fact. He didn't know. And and how many times have we seen in key situations in the history of college football either a punt or punt return late in a game cost a team a game? Right. But in his defense, and Hugh Freeze said this today, Keontae was in the medical tent. So what do you do? You go to your backup. And that's what they did. And the guy just didn't make the play. We'll talk about that in a lot more coming up in hour number two. Phone lines continue to be open. 334-321-1390. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us coming up in hour number two as well. So much more to talk about from the Iron Bowl this weekend as disappointment sets in here on the Plains. All that coming up here in hour number two.
The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, November 27th, 2023. This is our number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to uh, go and catch up with the podcast. You can find the show on demand wherever you get your podcast just search on the line or you can go to espnau.com and click on the podcast center and it is posted uh, commercial free right there after each and every show lots of iron bowl conversation of course uh, we've had lots of great phone calls in the first hour uh, we'd love for you to be a part of it as well 334 1390 And we continue to talk uh, about the result from Saturday and kind of to recap what we've covered. And again, if you have thoughts on it, your feelings, how are you feeling a couple of days removed from this? Um, Are you still in depression? Have you gotten out of bed since Saturday? Um, Are you over it? Are you just kind of like, yeah, whatever? You know, how do you feel? We want to know and we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We kind of went through the first three quarters of this game in the first hour. And again, this is a conversation that we're going to have until next August I mean it's just how it goes I mean we're going to have we're going to talk about this for years and years to come unfortunately but the big topics are of course the fourth quarter and just how to all kind of this went down and there's just sometimes it's really hard to put it into words what happened because this is now two iron bowls in a row in Jordan-Hare Stadium that Alabama has dramatic borderline walk-off victories of course the quadruple overtime in 2021 and now this one with whatever they're calling it I'm not going to give them any credit for the name but that's two back-to-back Iron Bowls and Jordan Hare that Alabama has come in and had miracle plays and beat Auburn in their house and you got to give them credit I know you don't want to but oh yeah you got and, and let me say this too the fourth and 31 heck of a throw heck of a catch Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond deserve a ton of credit because it was backyard football and they made a play and it was a dime of a throw. He had all day to do it, but still made it. And Bond made the catch. That was an NFL catch. You got two feet in. That's good in the pros on Sundays. What play, I mean, as a defensive coordinator under normal circumstances, say it was third and 31. Okay, and it wasn't the fourth quarter of the Iron Bowl. It was the first quarter of the Iron Bowl or the first quarter against Georgia or whomever you're playing. What defense do you go into then? I mean, you rush three and you just protect the first well, down marker. Is it the same defense of uh, schematic that or play or specific play we saw last night? I don't think so. Or no. Saturday night, I don't think so. So, you know, when things get weird – 
and things get tight, you sometimes just want to go back to a little bit of normalcy. What would we normally do in this situation, right? I mean, it's almost like we completely 100% overthought that last play. And and more and to credit Alabama, I'll say this about Nick Saban, and there's many things I respect about that man. He does a great job of preaching to his players that – you forget the last play no matter what happens, either good and bad, and you just go on and play the next one. And that type of mentality gives you almost a, uh, a, a, a way to play football without feeling pressure. Yeah. Like it's just a play. You know, they've almost programmed themselves to think that this last play of the game for the Iron Bowl is just another play. The thing that I want folks to remember is – more than anything, Iron Bowls come down to winning in the fourth quarter. And you said it, the last two in Jordan-Hare have gone the other way late, late in the fourth quarter and into overtime. Those were terrible Auburn teams. I'm sorry. this You know, I, I don't want to just – I'm not bad-mouthing our program right here. It, the fact of the matter is this is a six-win team. That year it was a six-win team. And we just took Alabama to the mat late in Iron Bowls, enjoy it while it lasts because I think that this program's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher for not just Alabama but for top teams in college football to compete with. Doesn't help, doesn't make, uh, doesn't, doesn't ease the pain on this, but that was a 14-and-a-half point um, favorite in an Iron Bowl trying to get to the uh, BCS Final Four that had to come up with a fourth and whatever play to beat Auburn. I want to come back to that in just a little bit, but let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Kyle, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. Hey, guys. Um, You know, it gets there to the very end of the game, but I'm sitting there telling my buddies, you know, Milrow had all the time in the world. It seemed like the whole game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to say it lessened the blow there at the end, but – like, when that pass happened, and, I mean, he threw it perfect, um, there was really – I mean, it, it was kind of coming, right? I mean, I had a weird feeling as soon as he let go of the ball. I mean, he had all the time in the world. I mean, he – and, and like I said, I, you know, I just – I've had mixed emotions about the game. The guys played hard and everything. But, you know, when he had all the time in the world – um, so I, I don't know. It's like it really didn't surprise me at the end. Well, if that makes any sense. Let's take it. So, let's, let's take it back just a little bit further. And I'm with you. You could find a find. You could kind of feel it coming when Auburn didn't score a touchdown and had to settle for a field goal, which I think kicking the field goal was the right move. But we yes. talked about it all last week. When you get in the red zone against Alabama, you got to make touchdowns, not field goals. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And um, and when they know, failed that, to that's... do that, and and but come back with a three and out and muff a punt, you can only just kick yourself and should be saying we should be sitting here with a uh, what eleven point lead instead of a, a four point lead. Four and point th- lead. And then That's they're right. then they're going to have to get a miracle pass and then back it up with a miracle uh, onside kick. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that's where I was on that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I hey man, I can hear the uh, pain in your voice. 
You're an <laughs> Auburn fan. You're an Auburn man. Yeah. And it's not. And it's. And don't be ashamed to admit it. But look, better times are coming. That's what I. What I keep. I know it's coming. I mean, it can't stay this bad for this long. Football's too important at Auburn. This coaching staff is out there beating the bushes for the top recruits in the country and working their tail off on the recruiting trail. That's what it takes to maintain and keep a fantastic top program. But let's just be real. I I can't remember an Auburn staff recruiting this hard in a very, very long time, and that goes way into Gus Malzahn's tenure. That's right. We got some. Uh, we got some brighter days ahead. And I, you know, we were talking. I mean, Jacob. I, I mean, I remember uh, b- before the season talking seven and five, six and six. Yeah. Here we are, and uh, you know, I, yeah, it's disappointing to have the loss there, but um, we're kind of where we we're kind of where we thought we were going to be. Yeah, and th- that's There's right. a lot of bright days. There's a lot of bright days ahead. And yep. I believe in Coach Freeze. I really do. I think a lot uh, of people do as well, Kyle. Hey, man, great yep. to hear from you. Appreciate, Appreciate the call. You guys. Yep. Thank you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And I think that's uh, again, that's another conversation that we're going to have over the next coming weeks. Is when you look at the season because it's over. The regular season's over. You have the bowl game. Okay, cool. You have a bowl game. It's going to be a small, mediocre game where you play a, an opponent and. We'll see who and, – and Hugh Freeze was asked about this today, a great question that was asked of him in his last press conference today about how he deals with guys not mm-hmm. playing in the bowl game and guys leaving in the transfer portal and all that. And he admitted he was like, I haven't really had to deal with that before. He said, "Team, my previous teams, nobody did that. People played in the bowl games. And he, he preached on how big he is on finishing something that you started. And again, we're going to get into all of that, but – the regular season's over. Auburn's football season is basically done. And I think that is really, it's really sad, uh, of course. And I know a lot of people, myself included, I think you're in this boat as well. It's like, man, it just, it flew by. It was a very up and down season, had lots of highs, lots of lows. And, and just, a, it was a six and six season. And year, it was a first year head coach type of season. But to Kyle's point, you got what you expected. You got a 6-6 six and six record in year one when you played a top 10 strength of schedule in college football. And you played your two biggest rivals within one score. You played Georgia within a touchdown. You played Alabama within a field goal. What else do you want besides the wins, right? When you look at this from a 10,000-foot view or 30,000, however high you want to go, right, when you look at the grand scheme of things in this 2023 season, you can say, well, what if, right? And that's my favorite game is the what if game. But when you look at it in those two perspectives and those two games, which mean more to Auburn fans than any other game in the year, and in year one, when this roster is nowhere near where Georgia and Alabama are, not even close, two teams that are threatening to make the college football playoff and could legitimately be national champions in 2023, and Auburn played them within 10 total points, what else do you want? Fans are greedy, Jacob. They always have been. And when you get close, it makes them greedier. And it makes them play the what if game even more. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't, I, I'm not. I've eased up on my stance on bowls, especially because I don't think Auburn's won but two in ten years. Not all bowls are created equal, and not all bowl situations are created equal. I'll take you back to 2007. Auburn wins the Iron Bowl. 
our coaches allegedly go, or a lot of them, and this is debatable and it's just rumor, go on the uh, Arkansas hunting trip. Nick Saban hit the recruiting trail, and he uh, both teams won their bowl games. But that win over Colorado seemed to mean a lot for that program that in, in, in that had lost to Louisiana Monroe and lost to Auburn to end the season. So one thing that's about to happen here is you just gave Hugh Freeze a tremendous amount of free space to go recruit because our season's over until we find out what bowl we're going to. And we had a question about bowl projections. We'll have a few updates on that here shortly. While Alabama and uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Georgia are all coaching and trying to get into the national championship game, we're going to be out recruiting just like Saban did us in 2007. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great point. And Auburn has to take advantage of that. And I think Auburn will. I think Hugh Freeze will. I think they'll they'll do what they can and, and the windows are crazy. And hey, Hugh Freeze actually uh he blasted the transfer portal window stuff today in his press conference, just saying how it's he thought it is or he thinks it's too big of a window. He said, make it ten days. Like and I think his point was really good. He said, Look, these kids know if they're going in the portal or not. Like, you know at the end of the year if you're going into the transfer portal or not. Why do we give them so long where then – and here's what he quoted. This is directly from him. You can go look it up. He talked about if you give them that long, that is opening up the opportunity for other teams to tamper and talk with your kids before they leave. And I think that's Which a really happening. good point. It happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. Let's just be real for a second. You don't think that – People aren't tampering right now with A&M receiver Evan Stewart. The moment that the season ends for them, there's people on Twitter from other schools saying he's coming to their school. Right. I that, mean, it's, that's not just wishful thinking. No, it happens everywhere, and so that's going to happen. That's you know, all that's going on now that the off season's here, and and I know it's not the full off season, but now that the regular season is over, you get a six and six Auburn team, three and five in conference play. You play Alabama and Georgia within 10 total points, and you had a lot of what-ifs. You had a lot of, well, what if Auburn beat Team A? What if Auburn beat this team? What if Auburn had – you know what I'm saying? There's so many of those this season, and we'll continue to talk about these throughout the offseason, but the hope is that in years to come – those what if we had won that game what if Auburn had beaten Georgia or what if Auburn had won the Iron Bowl in 2023 what Auburn fans want are those to turn into remember when Auburn beat Georgia remember when Auburn won the Iron Bowl and maybe they look back in five years from now and say you remember 2023 when Auburn went six and six and some fans were hopeful for the future and the other fans were thinking the world was on fire and the sky was falling that was the time that everything turned and that was the true building block. Maybe it is and maybe it's not. Time will only tell. Well, it better be. It better be. Because if it's not, then we're going to be having this same conversation four years from now, five years from now, and all of them fans aren't patient. They've we must stop with the instability in the head coaching job at Auburn at Auburn in football. We've thrown hundreds of millions of dollars out the window. Since Saban's been at Alabama, Auburn's had seven head coaches, two of which are interns. Mm-hmm. That's got to stop. 
Yeah. You got to get behind Hugh Freeze. And I know it hurts, and I can hear the pain in Kyle's voice, and I feel the exact same way. You're going to have to get up off the mat and just take that small step forward and not lay down on this program. Get behind him and do what we did last Saturday in those stands as fans. And you can hear the pain in Hugh Freeze's voice today on Saturday in the postgame press conference and today in his weekly press conference as well. 334-321-1390. Mark, hold on. You're going to be first up when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines once again. It's been a busy day on the phones, as we have assumed that it would. 334-321-1390. And Mark, we appreciate you holding on through the break, man. You're on the line. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Hey, it's, I mean, as good as we can be, Mark. Hey, it's all good. Hey, uh, so, yeah, at the beginning of the season, you know, we talked seven five six six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I think this bowl game, I don't care who we play, where we play it, is going to be very important. Because all right, shoot. I think because we have lost so many bowl games, I think T-Bone mentioned it a minute ago, or maybe it was you, but um, – you know, we've lost so many bowl games. I think we just need to uh, leave this season with a positive taste in our mouth. I agree with we that totally. To, we need to have a win, and take it to spring training, get these extra practices, and go on from there. One of the goals, we said we wanted to make a bowl game, and we wanted to be competitive. Well, there were two games we were not very competitive in, Uh you know, the New Mexico State, obviously, I think that was more of a case of just looking ahead, thinking they were going to come in, roll over, take a 40-point beat down and go home, and then the LSU game. But against the two best teams that we played, we stood toe-to-toe with probably maybe a third of the talent they had and and fought until the last minutes of the game. So I just I think we need to put everything we can in, like you mentioned earlier, we don't know who's going to be there, but whatever it takes, we need to win this bowl game. I appreciate the call, Mark. I'm in total agreement with you. Auburn's not in a position as a program right now of entitlement to overlook any bowl game, uh, to even think that anything that anytime they go out on the field that a game is meaningless, it is not. Real quick, some of the bowl projection updates. Texas Bowl possibility, December 27th. Um, going up, most people would have Auburn against Oklahoma State there. That's from Brett McMurphy. Music City Bowl possibility. That would be against the Big Ten, either uh, Northwestern or Wisconsin possibly. I don't want to play either one of those teams again. I want to play somebody we haven't played before. The Mayo Bowl, that's in uh, Charlotte. I guess that used to be the old Belt Bowl, has a possibility of Auburn going up against Duke or Georgia Tech. I don't want to see Duke for an obvious reason, and we'll get to that one a little bit later. What do you think about those bowls, Mark? Is there another one on there, T? Uh, Yeah, there's... There's a few I would more. take either one of those. Uh, you know, the outside shot, and I think while we didn't win, I think the Gators still a possibility. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to get matched up with Georgia Tech in a bowl game. 
I'm a big that believer. Be I'm a big believer in history, and Auburn and Georgia Tech, in my opinion, as an old school fan, should play every single year. They should rotate the game from Jordan Hare, then to Grant Field, and then to the uh, Mercedes Benz in Atlanta, and open up like that. And I think that would be a really cool tradition. And uh, Atlanta's a fertile, fertile recruiting ground for Auburn. And the last bowl, this is the bowl that I do think that I'd like to see Auburn in. And I know it's not the, the greatest bowl in the world, but I'd like to see Auburn in the Liberty Bowl. That's from USA Today projecting that, playing Texas Tech. Uh, and I think that would be a fun game and um, a good opponent. Yeah, I, I, I miss – I mean, uh, Nashville or Jacksonville would be obviously – my favorite choices. I do not like to see Wisconsin again. I don't but, uh, think that we're going to get the Gator Bowl. Not If we'd have beat Alabama, I think we'd have got it. But the way things are going to happen, uh, Bama, probably Georgia. You're going to have three. Yeah, you're going to have three in the big bowls. And that would give them a chance. That would give them a shot with three in the big bowls. Now, mm-hmm. I hope, you know, don't. You know, I know this will probably offend some Bama fans, but I hope just Georgia just boat races on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm stuck between Alabama fans. I live in Georgia, and I'm stuck between Alabama and Georgia, so I hear it in both ears. Yeah, well, I um, get it, Mark. But the one thing that I will say is are the Georgia fans are more humble than the Alabama fans. And I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me. but I think for the most part you're right. It, but really Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys have a great day. Appreciate the call, Mark. 334-321-1390. Quickly, we're going to get to the phone lines again in just a second. But since 2000, and I've had people tweet at me and, and call in and disagree with me because I said Auburn is a mediocre bowl team. Since the year 2000, can you guess what Auburn's bowl record is? That includes both national championships. How many games. games is it? 20. 10 and 10. Yep. They're 10 and 10. Yeah. Since 2000, Auburn is 10 and 10 in bowl games. That is mediocre. Most of those wins coming in the Tommy Tuberville and Gene Chiswick era. Since Gus Malzahn got at Auburn, off the top of my head, I count two bowl wins. Yeah. 334-321-1390. K-Bag, you're on the line. You got a couple of minutes, man. What's up? How are you, man? Not try- I'm all right. You don't sound it. Well, I mean, just chalk it up and add it to the long list of games that Auburn has just screwed away. Well, you know, it, it, it's 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 disappointing, but you know that's life as an Auburn fan is living with disappointment. K bag, did you head over to RadioFreeAuburn.com and check out my article yesterday that Auburn fans and you sound like it are about jobbed out? That's just Auburn being Auburn, and that needs to stop. I'm in agreement with you. It, you know, it's it, you know, uh, I think Cohen said something about that in his um, early couple of weeks and tried to turn it into, you know, Auburn being Auburn. Well, you know, this is just Auburn being Auburn. Is Tank Bigsby running out of bounds? You know, is... It's a, a referee game, not calling an obvious double dribble. It's uh, the softball it, it, team losing late in the World Series. I mean, it, it runs... It, it, it's an undercurrent... That happens at all programs, and it happens more. Auburn's still a great program. I'm not running my team and, and athletic department down, but but it, if there were just a few up moments that go Auburn's way, just a few plays, there's more championship rings over there on the plains. No question, no question. And you know, you don't want to say that or don't want to believe that it's a systemic issue, 
But honestly and truly, it is a systemic issue, and, and there's nowhere that we can point. There's nowhere that we can go for a solution. It's just the reality of the situation that it is just Auburn being Auburn at this point. And I think Auburn fans can only hope that the narrative goes away at some point, right? It just seems like there's been heartbreaks so many times and big moments. But I, I like to remember, remind fans that there have been some really magical moments and big times as well that have led to some of those big moments. The buildup to those moments have been really special. You, you mentioned the Final Four and different things like that. So there are moments that have Auburn and Auburn fans have experienced that no other fan bases will. But yeah, the uh, the Jabba thing is is definitely something that Auburn fans wish could go away. K-Bag, we appreciate the call, man. We're up against a break. 334-321-1390. Jacob Hillman's going to join us coming up from the Auburn Sports Network in just a moment. But yeah, I go back to the bowl game record and yeah. I've got a couple of cures for Jabba. Okay. And I think it starts with claiming every single national championship that the NCAA recognizes in football. And I don't care if it's the New York Times and announcing it and because championships beget championships and having no shame in it. Start acting like winners, you'll start being like winners. That's one way to put it. I think so. I think that's one way to put it. When we come back, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the depressing ending to the Iron Bowl, plus some updates from around Auburn athletics, including one team going to the postseason in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about all that when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes left here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Uncle T-Bone, and we are joined on the phone lines like we are every Monday at 3.30. It's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, Happy Monday, brother. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. I know it is not the most exciting day to be joining us on the airwaves. Man, it, I mean, let me tell you, what a, what a whirlwind Saturday was from the, an incredible game that we witnessed in Jordan-Hare Stadium to obviously a very, very tough ending uh, for the Auburn Tigers. But, you know, nonetheless, it, it, it was still a beautiful day on the plains. It was absolutely buzzing in the stadium, around campus, and everything like that. It, it, it was one of those environments you couldn't ask for much more from. And, you know, happy to be a part of it. And, like I said, you, you can't really, of course, the game itself, you could ask for a better ending. But, again, that, that day, was it was really just something special that didn't end in Auburn's favor. Well, um, go ahead and, and do your best. We've been trying to do it for the last hour and a half, but put it into words for us, man, on just kind of what you saw and what what happened in your eyes and how it could have gone different for Auburn on Saturday against Alabama. Yeah, man, it was your it was your typical Iron Bowl inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. It was an all-out war between both teams, regardless of uh, whether you want to talk about the talent, the records, playoff positioning, whatever it was, it was an absolute war, and that's what we saw for all four quarters. It, Alabama got off to a hot start with its first drive. Auburn, not so much on offense, but then immediately on its second drive was able to uh, run the ball 
at will and, and, and score and answer right back. And it, and it was at that moment that I think uh, everyone in the stadium, everyone watching knew that this wasn't going to be um, a blowout for Alabama. And, and sure enough, that same kind of momentum continued throughout the game, obviously. Uh, Auburn struggled to throw the ball a little bit other than that one touchdown pass to Javarius Johnson. But I think that the running game was just stellar. A- after the performance against New Mexico State, though, that running back room, that offensive line, really stepped it up against an Alabama defense that hadn't given up hardly any ground, uh, any ground game to anybody throughout the season, whether it was LSU, whether it was an Ole Miss team or whoever they played, they were dominant against uh, the premier running back, and that wasn't the case on Saturday for Auburn. And then obviously defensively, I thought played uh, a very solid game against an offense that has peaked at the right time in a season. Uh, really, really, really kept Auburn in the game made some critical stops throughout the game until, obviously, the end of the game on that 4th and 31. And, and whether you want to criticize the play call or, or whatever it was, it was really just a perfect throw from Jalen Milrow and, and, and a great catch from Isaiah Bond uh, on that end zone. DJ James was in what I thought pretty dang good coverage of that play in good position, just in a spot where he couldn't get to it. So I, I just, you know, props to Alabama on that final play and, uh, you're you're looking forward to a bowl game now if you're Auburn. So, yeah, I mean it, it was an incredible atmosphere, and I thought Auburn play, played its tail off and and had Alabama uh, down to that final play. So, uh, it, it, like you said, it's hard to put into words, but uh, it, it was it, it was incredible to experience. Jacob, you make a good point that against SEC teams, specifically in the second half, that are teams. Uh, let's just say it a little bit better than Auburn this year. Alabama has been very dominant defensively uh, against Texas A&M, against Tennessee, against Ole Miss, and against LSU. Uh, a good sign that Auburn was able to uh, really do some things offensively in the second half of the Iron Bowl. How do the Tigers build on that moving forward and pick up the pieces after this disappointing loss? Yeah, man. Of course, a lot of credit goes – uh, to the running back room as well as Peyton Thorne, I think that all, uh, I would I would specifically call out Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, and Thorne. Uh, just they they really used their legs uh, just just so effectively. And whether it was breaking big runs or just getting uh, just a short yardage when they needed to, I thought that first Damari Austin touchdown was. I mean, he he fought for that one, spinning his way into the end zone. Uh, so the running back room as well as Peyton Thorne. They, they did a really good job, but I mean, I, I thought the offensive line really settled in throughout the game uh, and continued to allow the running backs to, to find those holes. So credit to that entire offensive line, and I think that we talked about it earlier in the year, how uh, at times the O-line would struggle, and, and, and I thought that one key uh, change that they made was starting to rotate guys, and, and, and Coach Freeze mentioned it several weeks ago, about Cam Stutz, that he, he man, he he was beat up, he was banged up, and he needed he needed the rest. And it feels like that that starting that rotation as early as it did really culminated into a great performance in this Iron Bowl against uh, a defensive line in front seven that has has been so strong against SEC teams and 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 something that you didn't expect because I, I thought personally I thought maybe you would need some explosive plays in the passing game to to win and quite frankly that might have been made the difference. Uh, on Saturday, but uh, you know when when you're when you have the play that wins the game, you, you still have that opportunity without it. So 
I, I, I do think that the offensive line really picked it up this last month of the season, you know, outside of that New Mexico State game, and, and really, really uh, showed its worth against Alabama. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines here during the Monday edition of On the Line. Speak to the atmosphere a little bit. I know we, I was there. I know you were there. A lot of our listeners were there. Um, but it was it was one of the best atmospheres that um, has that I've seen at Jordan Heron in a long, long time. And I'm hoping, and I think a lot of Auburn fans are hoping as well, that all those recruits that were there on Saturday got to witness that and experience that and realize just how special a Jordan Heron night game can be. Yeah, for, fortunately, that that is the uh, most positive takeaway you can take from from that game. Obviously, I mean, I, I would like I said, I, I think the team played really well. I mean, you you won that game until that one play, so the atmosphere was was incredible. And Coach Freeze mentioned it; it contributed to how Auburn played in that game and being in the lead uh, at the end of it. So I I, I think that what what we saw was like you said, one of the more electric ones. I mean, you compare it to 2021, you compare it to 2013, to, to 2019, and I, I feel like it, it had to have topped it. It was absolutely incredible. The weather was perfect, and I, I just think that all the fans, the, the fan engagement throughout this season has been unbelievable. Obviously, Auburn's had its up, ups and downs with the four-game losing streak, starting with Texas A&M back in September. And then you have the highs of the three-game winning streak, starting – was Mississippi State at the end of October. And then, again, you lose to New Mexico State, and then it was in excruciating fashion to Alabama. And I, and I, I you still saw the fan engagement at an all-time high, I feel like, this season for Auburn football. So, I mean, it, it, it's something that, you know, it, obviously it's off the field. It's not something that, you know, you don't want to take away too many moral victories. But I think that is something that uh, speaks to the Auburn family and, and what it's been through the last few years. And, that they're still here, that they're still here for the long run, and that they will be behind this football program as well as this athletic program uh, as long as they live. So, you know, it, it, it was really, really awesome to be a part of. Jacob, we've talked about a couple of the uh, potential bowl matchups, where Auburn may go, who they're playing against. I guess we'll find that out Sunday night and into Monday. What uh, Do you have a wish list of, of where you think Auburn can go realistically? And then once it's announced, when will, uh, when will bowl practice begin officially? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like I've seen so many different, uh, different bowl games that, that Auburn's been projected to, ranging from the Liberty Bowl uh, to the Music City uh, to Gator at one point. That, that one might be uh, out of the picture now, but – I, I, I'm not really sure. I think on my wish list, I would, I, Music City Bowl would be awesome. Nashville, you can't beat. Uh, I think that the Liberty Bowl would be interesting uh, facing a Big 12 team this year. I feel like there are a lot of interesting teams that uh, could end up matching up with Auburn in that bowl game. So uh, those are kind of two at the top of my wish list. I'm not exactly sure when bowl practices begin. I believe they get a full week off here and then get started uh, once that bowl matchup is announced. So, the, the thing about bowl practice is, is Coach Freeze and, and plenty of the assistants have, have, have talked about it, that this is one of the more important times of the year uh, as you look ahead to 2024 because uh, you're going to start to see some of those early signees coming come in as well, and they're also going to get to see uh, some of those bowl practices and, and take it in, and uh, you, you're really looking ahead to the future. Obviously, the bowl game is important. You want to win that, and, and Auburn hasn't had a ton of success in bowl games at extremely recently in the last three or so, but you still want to 
uh, get out there and, and win that game and, and build some momentum going into 2024. Well, head coach Hugh Freeze talked today how they were wanting to get eight practices in for bowl. That was what they were they're planning on is five here in Auburn and then three on location, wherever that may be. And so uh, we'll see what ends up happening with Auburn football in their bowl uh, selection and where they end up playing and who they end up playing as well. But Jacob, let's get some updates around Auburn athletics uh, and some other things going on around uh, the Plains over there, because uh, there's some big updates, especially when it comes to Auburn volleyball, who's going to postseason yeah. for the second time in a row for the first time in program history yeah Auburn volleyball had a man what a battle it was in it was Black Friday and it set the attendance record once again inside Neville Arena for a volleyball match it was it was an incredible atmosphere like it was Saturday in Durden Hare Stadium uh and, and man it man the similarities of the football game it came down to the last final set and the last possible moment Auburn uh fell to Arkansas in five sets but Man, took it all the way uh, to sudden death with in the fifth set. And I think that this team is starting to get healthy and really starting to find its groove. Uh, something that this team is really finding a way to do is build momentum and, and start fast. It won its first set against Arkansas, and that had been kind of the, kind of a tough thing for this team throughout the season. And when it's fallen behind, it's, it's gotten back into matches, but re- really uh, struggle to sometimes win because uh, you fall behind early. So, a really impressive match against number nine Arkansas team, and it leads to the NCAA tournament. Like you said, for the second straight year, for the first time in program history, Tigers are going to Louisville, and I really think it's really impressive to be to be seated. You're number seven seat uh, in that portion of the bracket, and that's that's something that Auburn wasn't last year. So I really think that uh, you're looking in a spot. Uh, you're in a spot where uh, this team can make a run. It, it, it's similar to last year where you're, you're on the road, but now you're expected to do something. Last year, you weren't. So uh, I, I think this program is on the right trajectory, and um, I, I believe they'll be playing uh, uh, Thursday, so November 30th uh, at 3 o'clock Central in Louisville. So they'll be facing Western Michigan, so tune in for that one. And then uh, with the win, uh, it'll be December 1st at 6 o'clock Central on Friday. Then we'll move on to some men's basketball. It's, it, it's, it's weird because no – uh, multi-team event on Thanksgiving break. So you played Alabama A&M, handle business against them on Tuesday, and now you're going to the ACC-SEC Challenge against Virginia Tech, who's going to be coming off a 30-point loss to FAU, obviously a Final Four team last year, and, and still ranked in the top 25. So that's going to be a really interesting uh, matchup, I think. Virginia Tech is in the top 100 of, of Ken Palm and all those metrics. So they're, they're a good basketball team, but we'll, we'll see what kind of response they have following uh, that loss to FAU. Uh, so Auburn Sports Network coverage begins at 745 Central on Wednesday night. Andy Burcham, Sonny Smith, and Brad Law on the call there. Auburn women's basketball got a win against Alabama, uh, Alabama A&M like the men did. So bounce back from two uh, tough losses there. So I, I really think that that team, it, it, it's, it's all about finding the consistency. I think we talked about this last week. It, it's the same thing as last year, but once they can get on a winning streak, then I think things start to fall into place uh, for the Tigers and Coach Johnny Harris because it, it's just it, that's that's what it's all about. You, you've seen the wins, the, the highs of beating a number four Tennessee. Uh, you've gone on the road and beat Georgia Tech in previous years and, and done things like that. But whenever you can put together uh, a winning streak and, and, and win a lot of games, then then that's the way that this team can get into it. They'll also play in the ACC 
uh, SEC challenge here at home against Clemson on Thursday at 8 o'clock Central. Uh, Britt Bowen will have the call on AU100 at 745 Central, and we'll have Tiger Talk as well from the arena uh, on Thursday as well. So uh, be, be ready to tune in for that. It, it's, it, it's that time of year now where things cool off a little bit, figuratively and literally, uh, but there's still plenty of Auburn athletics to take in. Yeah, you almost take a breath, a deep breath, and then move into basketball season and continue with the other athletics after uh, after the regular season of football ends. I'm glad you brought up Virginia Tech in this ACC-SEC challenge. Looking over their schedule, they did take care of business against Iowa State the week before uh, that, that bad loss at, against FAU, but uh, – uh, got beat late by South Carolina, seventy-nine to seventy-seven. A little bit of up and down early in their uh, in their schedule before conference play begins. What what should Tiger fans uh, what should Tiger fans expect from the Hokies in a late tip off at eight fifteen? Yeah, this team it, it, it's somewhat similar to Auburn. It, it shoots the ball pretty well and uh, can score. So we could potentially see a high scoring game, but. I think what the hope is from Bruce Pearl and company is that this defense is ready to step up and, and really have a good showing in the second half. The Alabama A&M game was interesting where obviously you get a big lead. I don't think they scored for the first seven or eight minutes of the game and it, or maybe a little shorter, but it was 14 nothing. Auburn was in the lead and, and looked very confident early on. And I think this team in Virginia Tech, you're going to want to try to have a good second half against them. Again, like you said, up and down. We saw the down on Sunday. Do they find a way back up for this game on Wednesday? It's very possible. Obviously, uh, it'll be at Neville Arena, so uh, you, you feel pretty confident uh, if you're Auburn in front of the jungle uh, any time and no matter who you're playing. So uh, I, I think Virginia Tech will come back, will come out and be ready, be ready for a battle. But uh, I think that this Auburn offense can really get off to a hot start, and it's all about the defense in the second half, uh, staying strong because. It's played really well defensively in the first half, but it's the second halves that have been uh, tough for Auburn. It was a downfall against Baylor, and obviously Coach Pearl has has, uh, really emphasized it in in his postgame in the previous games, even after wins. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, we appreciate you, man, as always, joining us on a Monday, getting us caught up on everything going on in Auburn athletics, representing the Auburn Sports Network. You guys uh, did a fantastic job all football season long, and we're excited to have you guys along for basketball season, men and women's as well. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you guys have going on now that we're in the transition period from football to basketball season. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow the Auburn Sports Network at AU Sports Network. Plenty of broadcast updates as well as podcasts, uh, whatever it is for uh, the Auburn Sports Network these upcoming weeks and months. So be sure to follow on Twitter there. Jacob Hillman, we appreciate you, brother. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. I appreciate the time. War Eagle, guys. That's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network as we wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 when we come back. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. Huge shout out to Jacob Hillman, our longtime Monday 3.30 guest from the Auburn Sports Network. We appreciate him joining us here today. I'm talking about the Iron Bowl, of course, and uh, giving us some updates around Auburn athletics as well. Shout out Auburn Volleyball. 
for going and getting selected to the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row. That is the first time that program has ever done that, to go back-to-back. And so uh, they are uh, playing in Louisville, so we will uh, be keeping up with that. And the best of luck to them uh, for Auburn volleyball, Auburn basketball playing. You've got women's basketball that played yesterday, men's basketball coming up on Wednesday. And, of course, we recapped the Iron Bowl as well. Um, Been a great show today. It's been I mean, you know, it's been a show recapping the Iron Bowl, and that's it's it's tough to do on a Monday, especially how you lost it. But there's a lot to break down, and we just hit the tip of the iceberg today. I mean, there's so many more things to talk about, and that's what the coming weeks are going to be about. And so, um, we appreciate you all being a part of the ride. And and yeah, there's just so much more to talk about with this game and the future of what's coming up in the next few weeks, man. December is going to be a busy, busy time uh, here on the show, here on the station, and talking about Auburn athletics thought to myself Saturday night, good thing there's no uh, post-game call-in show anymore. I think it allowed people to uh, get a lot off their chests, off the air, mm-hmm. kind of causing for a more melancholy reaction that I expected. I guess we can call it a melancholy Monday. I feel like people are still trying to uh, get their wits and thoughts about them, about what happened in this game. Uh, it was, uh, you know, we talked about this last week some that I just kind of felt like you'd see something you ever you, you know good bad or indifferent that you would never seen before in the Iron Bowl and it did not the 88th Iron Bowl did not disappoint no it didn't and uh, I mean this will just go along to the litany and long list of uh, named games that will continue to go on for the rest of our lives it's an emotional game it's an important game uh, with the advent of the 12 game playoff it's not as an important game as it used to be you know, I do believe now Auburn could actually lose this game in a season and win a national championship if they make the 12-game playoff. I think it goes either way. Yeah. I think the recruiting here is the big point of emphasis right now. Hugh Freeze is stabilizing this program. He, is, he has proved that he can compete against the top teams. He just needs a few more dynamic playmakers like Damari Austin, who we just saw healthy you get a stable of running backs. I think he was finally healthy Sunday, uh, Saturday again from that shoulder injury, and he ran crazy. So, look, Auburn fans, it hurts. It's painful. I'm right there with you. But the future is bright. Don't give up on the Tigers. Get in there and continue to be a fan. Hugh Free said himself, buy your tickets, and we'll be back. We'll talk a lot more about the Iron Bowl, the bowl game coming up for Auburn in the offseason. What's going to happen for Hugh Freeze and this team in the offseason with recruiting, transfer portal, and everything crazy that's going on in college football? Plus, we got a bunch of college football news to talk about from over the weekend. That'll be on tomorrow's show, 2 to 4, here on ESPN 1067. Until then, he's Uncle T Bone. I'm Jacob Goen. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.